Spectrum's brought to you by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. The Scripps College is one of the most comprehensive colleges of communication in the country. It offers a foundation of creativity and practice so that graduates can move the world forward. In particular, the Scripps College offers challenging coursework that holds students to high expectations an integrated curriculum that combines a variety of disciplines and ideas, and student-driven media organizations where students can apply these skills and gain experience that enables them to hit the ground running upon graduation. That's the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. Welcome to Spectrum. Spectrum features conversations with an eclectic group of people. Some are famous and some aren't, but the common thread is that they all have captivating stories. Today we're talking with Stephen Crowley, who just recently retired after 25 years as a photographer for the New York Times in their Washington bureau. He covered presidents, the White House, Congress, and has shot pictures in over 40 different countries. He won the Photographer of the Year Award by the White House Photographers Association in 2002. He also was part of Pulitzer Prize winning teams with the New York Times in 2001 and 2002. He talks with us about covering politics, presidents, and campaigns through a camera lens, and shares with us his philosophy of capturing still images. How many countries have you taken pictures in? Have you ever totaled it up? I, I, it's, some, it's around 40. Some were pretty quick trips. I was in South Africa for Mandela's funeral. I think we were there three hours on the ground <laughs> or something like that. And, and, I was, and other times, I think it was six, uh, six weeks in Afghanistan and Pakistan right at the beginning of the war. Do you still get wanderlust to no, do it? No, absolutely not. No? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, first off, I mean, I'm the luckiest man in baseball. I mean, it, uh, I've had, I could never have imagined the career I was, Amazing. You know, I, yeah. I was able to have and the, the opportunities. I worked for terrific news organizations. I worked with terrific people. I love the New York Times. They were they could not have been more generous with opportunities. But yeah, then, of right. course, we were, it was a lot of work, a lot of travel. Um, the Washington Bureau, there's only two staff photographers, Doug Mills and myself, when we use college interns. And you know, some of those folks have just been amazing. It's been a great opportunity for them and a real asset for us. So, so But there was a lot of work to do. We became part of the uh, White House travel pool, a tight pool, back in the first year of the Obama administration. And what had happened was all three magazines, Time, Newsweek, and News, U.S. News, stopped covering the White House, the photographers. Yeah. They shared one position, one photo position, the magazine seat on Air Force One. Well, once you have that position, you're responsible for every presidential movement, domestic and abroad. But they had three newspapers, three staffs to do it. Doug Mills and I picked it up and had to do it ourselves. <laughs> so, wow. So it was a lot of work. So. That's why I racked up so many countries so soon. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I, I don't doubt it. You and uh, Pete Souza, right? Pete, well, Pete, P, 
Pete was on the other side of the two-way mirror. We, every once in a while, we'd get close enough to see the shadows of each other. But uh, he had the inside. You had, had the, the outside. Yeah. I had the outside. So yes. So, but I'm sure he saw my nose pressed up against the glass a lot. But he's a great guy. He did an amazing job. As, I was going to say, what about his book? You've obviously looked like, at I, it. You know, I I have. A, a deep well of respect for for Pete. I, I don't know how he did it. That was I don't know a, either. Awful lot of work and and constant. Guy, and I constant, mean, it, it was, there was no break. Incredible responsibility, and yet the guy. I never caught him sleeping on the job. So he he was pretty amazing. Now, I mean, I always uh, saw him from a distance, and most of the communication was me waving him out of my picture. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's an inside joke. But but uh, no, he was terrific. Don't take offense at this. So uh, let me just ask, though, is covering the White House boring for a photographer? I mean, it seems to me there's limited things that you can do. It was – I mean, politics was never boring as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, you know, uh, and we were a week on at the White House, a week on at the Hill. Okay. I admit that sometimes sitting there – at our little desk at the White House could drive me up a wall. But, you know, when it was happening, it was happening. It was an enormous amount of responsibility. And uh, so it was, no, it wasn't really boring in the true sense. Um, I like politics. I I mean, I think the worst, I never wanted to cover sports. Uh, It's the same thing as, uh, you know, marching up and down the sideline of a football game. You know, you're. It's this. Everybody. It's two teams, and they're all in their uniforms. And every once in a while, there's an amazing play, and maybe you got the picture. And so uh, that's how I always sort of. It's just another sport, and um, you know, you have the great players and injured players, and players are going to be dismissed from the team, and Paul Ryan resigning, and or whatever, electing yeah. to run again. So, so it was always something. And no matter what happened at the White House, it was ripple effect across Washington. We were allowed to, you know, chase the. Oh, the, you could oh, chase. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. weren't limited. Well, we were then. kind of. Once you had White House duty for the week, you were pretty much locked in. I mean, that was our responsibility because we were essentially we were the pool, for you know anything Everybody, outside the yeah. wires. So uh, and it was it was fun. It was it was a lot of work. You know, it could be some long hours. So, was but it never got boring. No, I I look back and I'm, it, I couldn't have I. My brothers and I were all started arguing about politics from each other's playpen. We were twins, and, <laughs> and my older brother. So we were all involved in politics, and we just, you know, so I feel very fortunate. Do you find, as you've covered the White House, uh, do, do presidents um, understand your presence or, or are they so busy and so into what they're doing that they're oblivious to you? Um, I think in, I think that most politicians, candidates on the road, whatever presidents, you're just part of the the bubble. You're like the the Secret Service standing over there, or, or the assistants. Cameras no the different than a microphone. So you're part of it. Yeah. Uh, whether they were playing to the cameras, I mean, I think you always have to be aware. Some played to the camera. You know, Chuck Schumer and I, uh, he could hear a camera go off from <laughs> 20 yards away. And by the time you got off your second frame, his reading glasses were gone. So 
there's that level of awareness. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you certain elected officials strike certain poses. The, President Obama, you always got that Lincoln-esque finger on the chin. and That, the, that thoughtful. And, uh, uh, right. And uh, with Trump, uh, President Trump, uh, you know, I never watched The Apprentice, but it sort of, it always felt like at his rallies, like it was Jerry Lewis uh, emceeing a World Wrestling Federation <laughs> match. You know, and it was, it was, it was a show. And I think that's, that's the way he presented himself. And it was, how, how long were you on the campaign trail? Well, with Trump, I was just on and off. I was, you know, covering the end of uh, the Obama administration. My colleague Doug Mills was out with Hillary Clinton. So I was on and off with Trump. Uh, Damon Winters did a large part of that. I was on and off with Hillary and uh, Hillary Clinton and with Pence. So, I mean, I was on and off throughout the whole year, you know, in and out of whatever. It, Covering a campaign, uh, you always have the the candidate speaking, and, and uh, there are only so many shots of that. But but I would imagine with the Trump campaign, the the rallies, you had crowd shots that wouldn't quit. You always I, well, you always have crowd shots. Again, I, the interesting thing about the Trump rallies, um, there were. They were huge, uh, and uh, they were consistently large. And the counter protest, the protests outside were, were pretty large, large too. too. And they would actually, you know, you had to be very careful when you were within the security bubble. Um, and once the Secret Service takes over um, a campaign, so you you couldn't stray too far. But they managed to let you get out there and cover those protesters, for instance. So as far as the crowds. Inside, I mean, they were large, and I, I, I thought that was unusual. Unusual, yeah. I mean, with McCain, for instance, and I spent most of a year with McCain. He couldn't draw flies until Sarah Palin came on board. And I remember one rally. It was a hangar rally in Iowa. It was so small. There was just maybe thirty people showed up. It oh was so my. small that he went up and he shook hands with everybody who showed up, thanked them for coming, and then he reached up and shook my hand and thanked me for coming. And I said, you know, I've been on your <laughs> campaign bus for months here, you know. So, so. But, but once Sarah Palin had it, it Oh, my changed. God. It was, uh, it, was, it was overnight. It was, seriously, it, it was overnight. It was a, I mean, suddenly there were Sarah Palin imp, uh, imp, uh, impersonators in the crowd and, and the whole Costumes, thing. And, yeah, and, uh, hairstyles, oh glasses. My, truly, yeah. Uh, they usually get that. There's always Trump impersonators. But it was Sarah Palin, they had that down pretty quick. Yeah, it, was, it was quite a, quite a scene. But, uh, McCain, besides uh, uh, being sparsely populated, uh, was he an interesting guy to f follow and photograph, or was he dull as dishwater? No, he wasn't dull as dishwater. No, the interesting thing about McCain was uh, uh, he has his bus, I forget what he called it, the Maverick Express or something, and he'd invite, it was a pretty small press crew, uh, but he'd invite everybody to go to the back of the bus, and he'd sit there, and the reporters would sit around there, and he would literally keep talking, keep throwing out bond mots or whatever until your your notebooks were filled. Wow. And uh, and he was so reporters, I think, enjoyed that aspect A of reporting that dream. campaign. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, so and you're building this visual portrait as you go along. Some days aren't quite as generous in their offerings as others, but I think it's a really important uh, 
part of how, what we do. How, how does Trump play to a camera, or does he? I think, it, again, I, I wasn't that familiar with Trump because I've never lived in New York. Right. I've never, I've never watched his program. And he wasn't in Washington he wasn't when you were there. Uh, but it was different. I, plus, uh, the way I've, of course, uh, the way he played to the crowd, and it, it, very, it really did feel like more of a program, like it was a variety show or something, I, I, I suppose. Uh, uh, so access, you, you, we weren't allowed to cover him, photograph him coming off his plane until near the end. His, he used his plane as a prop to roll up at a, as a backdrop at a hangar rally and we'd get him there. But there he's was, got it was tough, that, no access. I mean, he's there was got a, that embarrassing video of his oh, hair f- flying up in the bald spot. <laughs> it, it shocked me as much as it shocked our <laughs> listeners here, I must say. But because all I ever saw was the well-coiffed you know, yeah. Trump in a you know, breeze-conditioned room. So Boy, that person got fired. Who did that? Uh, I, no, I, I think I'm he sure. probably got a – that person got a raise. Because I think that <laughs> the, there's this hangar crew, this uh, – what the pit crew they call it. It's a network pool camera it's, and a wire, usually associated press. They have that one position. If you're traveling with the president, you're under the wing, so it's not quite as – you, know, you can't uh, get that that shot. Right, the shot you get is when he had the giant umbrella over himself to protect his that to block that. <laughs> Remember the next day, <laughs> that's and right. Barons walking up behind him. So, so. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, you. You've also done uh, Afghanistan and war and poverty and and uh, all kinds of things besides politics. How do you approach a situation like Afghanistan? Do you go in with preconceived thoughts of what would be off limits to you in your sense of taste and propriety and what and what you would shoot what you were looking for? Um, I mean, I think I early I earned up I learned early on my own bar was set at don't victimize the victims. That's that's pretty much from across the board. Across whatever, the board, whatever it was, absolutely. And um, so, of course, when we went into Pakistan, Afghanistan, I was with the be- one of the best reporters in the business, Tim Weiner, so who yeah. had been to Afghanistan a number of times before me. I generally was at that point. At most of the countries I went to, at least had gift shops. But uh, <laughs> so, and once we slipped into Afghanistan, it was a whole different. It, it was. It was the arc of the way we were received to how much things change in a month's time was was pretty pretty amazing. So as far as, by the time we were up on Tora Bora, we had followed Tora. Uh, that's where the B-52s, the U.S. forces, were starting to bomb Tora Bora, chasing uh, Bin Laden out of Afghanistan. And uh, you know, by the time we got up to the front lines, you started seeing. The results of those bombings, but you know, if some societies are really open. They'll let you into their morgues and yeah. uh, what what have you. But you know, again, you always try to remember these these are not these are not people without families and right. you know people who care about them. So you try to approach it with as much sensitivity, while of course being staying focused on why we're there. You also did. Uh some award-winning work on on race and and poverty and and 
there I assume that domestically you saw things that were maybe not equivalent to Afghanistan, but certainly bad <laughs> situations. How did you picture that, capture that for the purpose of the story without being exploitive? Uh, well, that one was fairly easy because I had a pretty narrow focus. It, okay. was, it was focusing on a, a, an Ohio newspaper and two reporters. The, the, the paper had won um, – it was a Coxstone paper had won a Pulitzer on their own race series, and then it somehow affected the newsroom and relationships from that. Oh, okay. I, I really, the, the, all the credit for that goes to Joe Lellyveld, who was the executive editor at the time. And so, but with but race is always there. You know, there's all the the issues where we've been dealing with these our entire lives, and I'm right. 65 this month. So, you know, first off. It, you, you know, uh, I don't think people are – people are – I don't care what community they're in. They're not inaccessible. They they want to be heard. You can have a conversation with people. You always remember where, you know, where the line of objectivity is. But, um, but again, it's just hearing people out. And I think this is the problem now with the shrinking press is that – and thank God – a lot of these students at OU, I just met with a, with a, somebody who had a, a young photographer I knew from Washington who just uh, joined the program here who's working in, uh, in rural Ohio. And I'm glad they're out there because putting voices to these people and their issues. I mean, this woman's doing a brilliant job. And, I'm, uh, uh, and that's what we need to do. I mean, these people need to be heard. They're open to being heard. With the media gone, there's nobody covering the town council meeting, the, you know, the the school board, I mean, things are, and I think that this resulted in this unexpected turn in 2016, right? I mean, yeah, the, the ignoring of that well, voice. Right. Or, or a misunderstanding more than anything else. I mean, because when you look at it, I mean, it was, it was Ted Cruz who won Iowa and Hillary Clinton who barely won Iowa. And, you know, most of the voters, this was a protest vote, in my humble opinion. When you look at who the three leading candidates at that point were, it was Bernie Sanders, Cruz, and Trump. And so I think that this is where, you know, our, this next generation of journalists will hopefully get out there and, and dig in and find out really what's going on and what people, and listen, and with mm -hmm. some sensitivity and, and open, your, open yourself to understanding, you know, people. We'll be back after this message. The Scripps College of Communication is designed to bring forth the people who bring forth knowledge by word or image or data stream and in every medium and by all means it succeeds. The Scripps College of Communication is where one generation of thought leaders and storytellers opens the doors for the next. Educating and inspiring each other bridging disciplines, forging connections, pushing beyond the syllabus and beyond limits. And because all participants belong to a far-reaching community of achievers, they reach higher and further, not just ready for change, but hungry for it, demanding that ideas be heard, perspectives shared, and visions realized. This is how the Scripps College moves the world forward. 
This is what knowledge demands, and this is why the Scripps College of Communications exists. To make it loud, to make it clear, make it known. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. We uh, live here in Appalachia and the Appalachian foothills, and, and there's always a bit of resentment um, sometimes when a story's being done on uh, our opioid problem or our poverty problem or a coal problem or whatever particular problem. And uh, the New York Times, and I'm just using them for an example, not picking on them in particular, sends out a photographer and we always get the dirty-faced urchins on the front porch with the refrigerator and the car on blocks in the, in the front yard and that's Appalachia. Well, right. that's, that's part of Appalachia, but it's not Appalachia. How, how do you keep from? And then you give that. How do that, you keep from doing that? As well, a again, uh, well, stop entering contests, or at least when you enter a contest. I know this is one of my bugaboos on, on this because it's true. It's this again. It's a surface interpretation of this foreign culture. It's foreign to you, especially if you live in a place like Washington D.C. or you've gone to York a really or, good school yeah. in New yeah. York, where you know the schools are great, the restaurants are great, and you don't have these challenges there. So you go out there. That's an easy get. I mean, it's 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 easy to make. I mean, I, the way college campuses are are uh, presented today, uh, I, you come out here and it's a placid, wonderful place, and everybody's polite. So, it, uh, it, but it, again, it's open more bureaus, hire more, hire reporters from Appalachia, hire photographers, storytellers from Appalachia. Listen, it's it's, and again, you know, it was like. Our medium-sized newspapers are struggling to survive. Look at the layoffs everywhere. And, you know, I came from a small newspaper and worked my way up to the New York Times. And I think I was able to bring a perspective that others didn't have. So absolutely, I think. By that sort of uh, (laughs) blue-collar beginning that you had. Absolutely. As well as my brothers, who also spent 30 years in the business. You look at things differently. I think I have, yeah. You have a different eye. Right. I think so, yeah. I I think that helped. And plus I had a lot of experiences that, you know, covering local news and local issues and getting out there and exploring these things myself with my own naivete and that and not just – and, I and uh, you know, wasn't being judged by – you know other other you know other perceptions of these so yeah i again i this one essay i was just looking at, i was really excited because this woman's from china she's she's here visiting and so she brings that perspective but it meant this was sharp and and really uh i think it's really important what she's doing and there are other students doing this i guess they're all some, sure. I guess this is what this ou is known for is really digging into these things and then you know i think uh, again and it's and you always have to ask yourself, what is my motive? Ultimately, that's what is our motive? Why am I doing this? Is it to win a contest? Is it to get a job? Is it to advance the conversation? Is it all of the above? Is it some of the above? And all that has its purpose. But that's all. Sit and really consider what your motivation is. I, I want to go back just for a bit. Uh, you uh, got a degree from Daytona State College, mm-hmm. but uh, – and got an honorary degree from the Corcoran College. Did you learn uh, 
photography uh, as an art form or as a communication tool? You know, that's uh, well. I grew up in a really small town in, in southern Florida. I was born in Jersey City, but which gives me this hard edge I have. <laughs> no, but anyway, my family moved to South Florida, Got Jupiter, it. Florida. It was very small at the time, and so we couldn't afford. I couldn't even think of a university. It just wasn't right. in the. Um, so I went to. They have an extraordinary photo program in Daytona Beach. In fact, it's run by Dan Ferry, who's a graduate of OU. And oh, it really is a go. sensational program. But it was one semester of journalism. But uh-huh. again, you know, my father always wanted, he was a paraplegic, he always wanted to be a journalist. And uh, and so all three of his sons went into the business. And so I, and we were always just, it was always about politics and we were Irish, so we argued a lot. And, <laughs> and so I think a lot of education there. And, and when I came out, I think, A, I got a pretty strong foundation in photojournalism. The first time I started out to be a reporter and I it was a little local newspaper in Jupiter. I was still in high school. They gave me an assignment to go interview the the new football coach. And I was just sweeping floors. I mean I wasn't a reporter. And and being a twin, I my other brother, my twin brother is very outgoing, very funny, a great guy. He was a political cartoonist, New Jack and uh, very funny, very creative. And I didn't realize how shy I was that, that part of the f- being a journalist is you had to talk to total strangers. I completely crashed and burned. I mean, the poor soul just – he pit, took pity on me and fed me quotes, and I <laughs> offered them up to the editor. And they said, you have no future in the business. But my other – my older brother is absolutely you know, fearless when it comes to that kind of thing. So, I, so it was an interesting mix of that. So, um, I, But I found it so easy to hide behind a camera. But – you know, a storyteller is a storyteller is a storyteller. We're all supposed to be reporters, and if we can find a creative way to to say it, whether it's a cartoon or a, a writing or a photograph, you know, I found visually. I think I just I was born a blue baby, so I guess maybe that had something to do with it. But uh, so I think that's what it was. I think I I think I was always pretty quick with organizing chaos in the form of a composition. So then if you add a little bit of fact or reporters to that, it worked for me. So I think we were all kind of natural in my family. It sort of a built-in artistic bent, I guess. Anybody that's uh, our age, uh, we can remember Life magazine and right. Look magazine and, and uh, iconic photos that, mm-hmm. that we remember to right. this day from uh, our, our childhood. Uh, does the visual still image have the same impact today with the flood of digital photography as it did for us, perhaps? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I, well, first off, there's an awful lot of everything out there, but it's, again, it still takes the amount of it's. I think because of the technology, it's 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 very it's much easier to be good right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. To be great, to to really accomplish takes the same amount of effort since the first shaman who got the best log in front of the fire after the great hunt back in the days of the caveman or persons. So it, it, so. That's that's why it's important to go out, have experiences, and become a good storyteller. Become interesting. Have challenges. Do things you didn't really want to do. Meet. Go out and meet people. Listen. Talk. 
and then and uh, that will ultimately make your photography stand out or your storytelling or your radio podcast or, or or what have you so i think those challenges are the same i think the opportunities they need more visuals now than ever uh, by the time i left the times i mean I used to send a pretty tight edit from no matter where I was, much to the consternation of my editors. But even <laughs> I took pity on them in the last year because nothing goes out without a, some sort of a visual on it. And that means you need to, you know, look at every angle. And, and for the New York it. Times, that was an alien concept at one time. Uh, I, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but even as they uh, began to appreciate visuals, and again, under the great Joe Lellyveld and Al Siegel, um, you know, they they really challenged us. I, I, you know, this isn't about the way you see it. This isn't about your interpretation. That's okay. You need that. But it's still the New York Times. We need to have a reason, a fact, a notion behind this picture, which is, of course, again, that's what's the most important. doesn't matter what the technology is or what kind of camera you're using. It's So we live in this world of um, clutter. Mm -hmm. uh, visual clutter, social media clutter, uh, text clutter. Uh, it's, it's just everywhere. How would you advise somebody to curate their stuff, to curate this clutter, to get it down to the essence where they can appreciate, learn from, absorb, if I'm if I have a thousand images that I see in a day, uh, what should I be looking for? Should I be looking for who presents the images? Should I just look and say, well, this is a New York Times image; it should be good, as opposed to John Doe's image that you know he just posts. Well, first off, you should ask yourself why you're shooting so many images in one day and <laughs> tighten up your shooting, edit as you go along. No, no, I'm saying receiving as the consumer. As receiving as the consumer, uh, again, because uh, give people less and they'll, they'll have a chance to see or hear what you're actually trying to say and see what you're actually trying to communicate. So as far as I, 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 I really don't use – I use Instagram as my main – platform to present photography now and uh, but I don't use Facebook so I can't really speak to that um, you know I have a true few trusted news sources and uh, I love Twitter so I just think uh, trim it back and, and also put the stuff down and go out and really again listen to your neighbor have a, a beer on the porch and and uh, have a conversation and, and, huh? you know, unclutter your life as a whole so that we can hear each other are, are, are you tuned in 24-7? I mean, I always have been, and I feel as since I left the Times, which I hadn't really planned on except this buyout offer came up for, across the newsroom. And I, it's so, it's, it was so busy in the last – I think I'm still – I still feel like I'm on this, you know, wonderful uh, – not a vacation. But sabbatical. A, sabbatical, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> right. And so uh, – and there's still plenty of opportunity out there. So if I, if I decide to step in in some way, but – so I, I really enjoyed. I enjoyed. I enjoy being home and spending t more time with my family and that. And of course, I, so you know, I have two wonderful sons and daughter-in-laws and people really I care about. So that's been terrific. But I still do. I think I always. I'd wake up and go to sleep 
to the news, and I loved it. I mean, do you, I really do. do. Still do. do. It's do you a fascinating story. Still get story. that siren song every time you hear something or a tragedy or a I, siren or well, I, I you know, interesting. I, I mean, I think, of course that's the you know that's. Uh, I, I was worried about that, I, but so far I've been fine. I mean, I'm I'm happy being a consumer right now, um, because you know, it's just, I, 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 so I'm really surprised at that. And I, I look I'm, at like what it was yesterday in Washington with Zuckerberg, and now you have Paul Ryan, and then Syria, and what's going on. It's and just, God knows what's going to happen to Mueller. <laughs> right, exactly, and it never stops. It never stops, especially with this. And now day. we need it's constant. You know, we were we were not waiting till three o'clock to you know have a cup of coffee and do a nice quiet edit over our film and move something for the time for the page one meeting. I mean, it's constantly moving pictures, no matter where you are in the world or what constantly time of day. Shooting, constant, constantly shooting, constantly moving. And, and, and tweeting and Instagramming and, and the whole do, thing. Do you get a, a – does that uh, um, accelerate your sense of spotting good work or, or – can you edit that fast? Yes, I okay. can. I, I was at it so long. I'm very fast, and uh, uh, we, we were able to move. Yeah, that, that was never an issue. We could move volumes in minutes if we had to. So generally, I would move six pictures to an assignment, and, and then once uh, I say in the last year, I upped that because of all the new platforms. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was it was we could we were just a, yeah, it wasn't much of an issue. So what's going to happen to you now, now that you've had this respite? Uh, are you yearning to go back or do something totally different? Well, I, I, I'm I, going back to using film cameras. There's a couple of projects oh, I've wow. been trying to squeeze into it, uh, over the last few years that I'd like to, uh, to, um, to go back to. And, and then I'll probably pick an issue and try to illustrate that something hopefully that involves either the midterms or the next election and try to become an expert because there's pl again there's plenty of opportunity even yeah. if you don't have a staff job i think that uh, right now at the moment i don't necessarily i don't necessarily agree with it if you have a niche if you're the the photographer who's there's a guy matt black he's just the guy you go to for poverty he just he became an expert on the issue of poverty and makes incredible work and Jennifer uh, Rinaldi, who won the Pulitzer on child abuse, uh, did one of the earliest s stories on opioids. And because of her work, people started paying attention to other photographers. So you can start something and get a, that you have that power. And, uh, and again, New York Times, Washington Post, all these, they need, they need stuff. They need stories. They need... Material. Discussions, materials, yeah. So there's an opportunity to at least do that. Question, why are you going back to, to using film cameras? You know, this I think for the same – I mean, I love banjo work, but I also like the viola, not that I can play either. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, so it's just a different mindset. It slows you down. It's a little more challenging. So it, it's not different. I mean, it's not better. It's not – it's just different. And, Certainly and I not think it, as instantaneous. You, right. And it forces you to really crawl into the technology and think before you press the shutter. And I love, love working in a dark room. And I was I going to say, were, were you a dark room person or, or a shooter it. or both? Absolutely it. both. I, in fact, I, uh, I, I was at the Palm Beach Post. Right. 
and then Miami Herald, and then I went up to the Washington Times with my dream of going to the New York Times. And I was getting, I was, I was a little quirky in the way I was shooting, so I couldn't, I, nobody would touch me for it. Until the Washington Times, uh, New York Times had an opening in their bureau for a lab tech. It was part-time. And I applied for that, got the job, and within a year I was on, I had the most coveted job in the business as a staff shooter in the Washington Bureau for 25 years. So that's my other little bit of advice is don't be afraid. Get in there, do a little production work, just get in the door, learn, listen, make sure you surround yourself with the best, smartest people in the business. And, you know, there's always room for... I, I bet you just sponged up all, everything you could learn from your predecessors. Though, Absolutely. You? Absolutely. Well, Everywhere Thames, you were. Right, George Thames, he yeah. was still around and freelance. Yeah, so I was just very fortunate. Yeah. Stephen, thank you so much. Thank I you very pre- much. appreciate talking with you. Well, good. I, well, I appreciate uh, talking with you. Today we've been talking with Stephen Crowley who was one of the photographers for the New York Times in Washington for 25 years. He talked with us about photographing politics and presidents. Spectrum is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our co-producer. I'm your host, Tom Hudson. Please subscribe to Spectrum. You can do that at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or at NPR One. Spectrum also is available at the NPR Podcast Directory. We welcome your feedback, so please rate our podcast or review it. If you have questions or comments about any of our podcasts, please direct them to me by email at hodson at ohio.edu. That's hodson, H-O-D-S-O-N, at ohio.edu. 